count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. What's going on, y'all? The Lost Highway Podcast, episode 26. Whoa. Wow, let's go. All right. I think if you make three good decisions a day, you're doing um uh, you're you're doing yourself a good service, my friend. I think if you can make three sizable good decisions a day, that is even better. Um, we go through thousands of uh, decision opportunities a day. We live in a world of opportunities, as I've mentioned before. And that's a real fact. That's a real energy that is at play at any given second that's going on in your psyche and in the real world around you, the physical world that is all happening, whatever dimensions are out there. Jesus Christ, man. Um, so... By the time you wake up and you go through your morning routine, and even if you say you don't have a routine, guess what? You got a routine, because that's real. You got something that you're going to do to start your day off right, and we are creatures of habit, probably to a degree that we would not even like to admit, let alone do we have the capacity to understand of how much habit do we actually uh, curate within our life and our behavior. Um, think about just the next time you find yourself um, unconsciously smiling at somebody uh, while wearing a mask. Uh, and you realize they can't see your smile and you don't even know you're smiling. And you realize that smiling in some weird, deep, Freudian sense is kind of a defense mechanism for somebody to actually think that uh, you're a respectable and a good person, that they should like you, but you really want to just avoid the conversation and go home and you feel a little weird for being out in Kroger in the first place because you really could have just Amazon primed that organic kale for 35 cents more. But alas, you find yourself smiling to a stranger who cannot see you. I uh, cannot see your smile, and therefore you are a creature of habit to a degree you do not want to admit. So, geez, I think getting a good morning routine is something that's really fantastic, and that's a great, good first decision to start your day off. Give yourself maybe an hour of le- of uh, leeway in between waking up every day. Of uh, I like to wake up between 6.30, 7.30 on most days. So it's like, that's a great decision. Like, start your day off by with a first good decision. So if you can get something like that in, If you can learn something within the first two hours of the day by reading a little thing, maybe, I don't know, going on uh, something that might not be World Star um, and get your news somewhere, that'd be fantastic. And then if you could try to get a little bit exercise in, whether that's musical exercise for my musician friends listening, if you uh, go listen to my Patreon page each day, the first thing I do is I I use the restroom, I make some French pot, um, French press coffee, uh, no cannabis in the morning, and at least for me, I have plenty of friends who are functioning very well with cannabis in the morning. I just simply can't, man. I cannot cannabis in the morning, uh, even though that sounds contradictory. <laughs> and uh, I do a thing called Greet the Morning Era Song, which is a lyric from uh, yeah, The Music Never Stopped, which really is just the ultimate self-fulfilling prophecy, aside from trucking that the Grateful Dead have in, um, in their uh, repertoire, in the real dead book. Uh, 
that's a great form of exercise mentally for me in the morning. It's about 10 minutes of ambient guitar loops that are completely unrehearsed and are completely improvised. And then I write a little uh, passage to go with it. So I have a free form writing that's going on as well. So I'm working on my diction and my dialogue and my internal dialogue with my internal audience and communicating that with a, 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 an external audience that is digitally based because we cannot tour right now. We cannot go say hi to people in person, but doing our best that we can. So it's like if there's a lot of perceived control in life but the, there's also a lot of unperceived lack of control which is uh, very scary and terrifying and uh, affects a lot of your decisions that you might not even understand and so if you can uh, do something to curate a little bit of that cosmic stability in your life through habits ownership and recognition of the currency and potential that is time and you can use that to invest and fulfill in the consistent and persistent pursuit of your uh, of yourself and your character, you're gonna just be on a better wavelength. You're gonna be vibrating at that right truth, and it's just a nicer way to live life. And it's something I've been tooling around with and thinking about because really, it's just an experiment on self. This body's just a rental, so you might as well try things on it in a conscious way and not be chained by what you believe to be your actions and your morals that are completely unchangeable, unbreakable chains. It's not true. We're very flexible, on certain ways at least. Uh, just go listen to Andrew Huberman talk about neuroplasticity. I mean. That's fantastic. Now, given I'm 25 and that window of my life with my neuroplasticity is starting to kind of dwindle down just a hair, right? But it's still possible. You can always change the way you think. You can change the way how how um, how great you are at a skill and the potential you have at a skill. So it's just like find that ownership, find that vision, find that goal, make three good decisions a day. It's real. My next guest today is my friend, Mr. Chase Bryant. Chase Bryant's story is really fantastic, and I loved this conversation. Chase is just a sincerely incredible musician. Everyone in Nashville knows this, too. I mean, the way he sings is, is, is top-notch. The way he writes is wildly signature to his own craft. And the way he plays guitar is, is, is really unique. It's identifiable, and it's strong. It's a strong tone. It's strong musically. Toured Brad Paisley. Toured across the world with artists. We even talk about how he hit the gym with Tim McGraw in this conversation. I don't know exactly how that came about but it did in an organic way because this is a good podcast in that way we're not planning anything in here at the uh, cosmic country cottage on the lost highway podcast uh but what's valuable about chase about chase's story that we guys to keep in mind is um it's very real the way he talks about how momentum can come and go in a in, in, in Nashville and the way that if you go into the big machine way of doing things where you source out a team of, of very tenured uh, music business minds um, from A&R to publishing to agents and, and it's different when you start gaining momentum and, and, and you're not an artist with five number one singles and, and to see how that affects your career and how that affects you creatively. creatively. What makes Chase Bryan a winner, in my opinion, and what will be the, hopefully your opinion as well, and tell me if it's not, is the fact that he found inspiration when the momentum stopped and that he started to question his identity musically. And he actually made a really fantastic album after this, and I cannot wait for it to come out. Um, we talk about that process here. We also talk about my favorite clothing line, which is uh, Ralph Lauren, double RL. I laugh, Ralph Lauren. Sorry for everyone, all these hype beasts listening on here. Anyway, I'm going to stop blabbering. We're going to get on to Mr. Chase Bryant. Playing in uh, Gramercy Theater. Maybe it was Soho. I think actually it was Soho. It had to have been Soho. You're playing Gramercy. 
Yeah, we played there. Were you headlining? Yeah, we were. We headlined that room probably, oh, God. Damn. Like two years ago, three years ago. Damn. Okay. I lose track of time. I can't remember anything. Have you been touring? Yeah, I mean, we have. I, I took a couple years off. I needed it really couple bad. years. Yeah, I needed it, like, you know, mentally, physically. Damn. You know, the whole thing. I needed a lot to happen in those two years. And uh, I, I don't know. I was kind of in a, in a place with my career where I really just wasn't happy. How so? With it. I just wasn't happy with the success. Like, I wasn't happy with the, the version of success, I guess. Whoa. Which is weird. You what know? does that like, mean, though? Well, like for me, it was, for me, it was really like I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't, you know, and I'd been faking it for a long time. Damn, man. Like everything got so easy, you know, like in a, in a, in a, in a bad way, Mm. like not in a good way where the easy was like. You know, I, I felt like I would go on stage. I was as, as a player. I was playing the same things every night. Mm. I was doing right. the same show repetitively. Same enthusiasm. Same things same in between everything. songs. Yeah, everything. Everything was the same. Do I don't think feel like an, I was. Really do you feel like there's a lack of authenticity to that? Oh, that was there was there was no authenticity to it. So my question, <laughs> you know? the thing that leads to me where it's like I naturally get worse when I'm less authentic. So I'm really jealous of people who have the skill to find success and not be authentic. Well, but I but I think that with that success becomes this massive amount of like misery too. You well, because I mean? it's you not go you. Home and you're miserable. You you can't like you can't balance a relationship. You don't because because oh. you're fighting to be this person. You know, like I always say, like for me, like you know, of course, like my stage name is Chase Bryant. My real last name is Yachlin. How'd that happen? Well, it's a long story, but it came about because so I had a record deal when I was like when I was like on the verge of sixteen, fifteen. I moved to L.A. Crazy young. Yeah, it was nuts. Um, <laughs> and then. They were using that name. Uh, thank God that record's down and not out anymore. But, well, but I made that <laughs> record in LA. I moved to Nashville, and I really wasn't hunting a record deal. Let's we'll go deeper into that. But basically, when I signed my record deal, Benny Brown at Broken Bow Records was the most genius guy in the world because he looked at me and he said, "I'll never forget. We were sitting at. Well, uh, do you remember the old Corner Pub that was in Midtown? <gasps> Hundred and ten. The great one. Yes. Yeah, the, one of the my good first one. legal drinks. <laughs> yeah, we were sitting there having lunch, smoking cigarettes, and I remember he looked at me and he said, "Remember what kind of cigarettes?" Yeah, I do. I was smoking American Spirits. That's yellow. Yeah, I was smoking American Spirits, yellow ones. That's I went I through a phase with the light blue ones though, because I'm a huge John Mellencamp fan. Yes, and sir. He smoked that's those. Why. <laughs> so, so for me, it was like that's what I wanted. But anyways, long story short, he looked at me and he said, "You know." A lot of people have bad backs and can't reach down to the Y's in a Walmart record, uh, like on the shelf. And he said so they wouldn't be able to pick that record up. You should change your last name. Why? And I was like, well, my family's all musical, and they're Bryant's. And he's like, it's a pretty good start. Let's go with that. What's your middle name? And he goes, huh. I said, Spencer. Huh. And he goes, nah, it's terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we stuck with Chase Bryant from that moment on. And there was a part where, like, you know, before these guys like Hardy and – before some of these like one name acts, we were like, let's just go with Chase. Like, That'd be cool. perfect. That would have been awesome. Yeah, 
you know, fuck, now I couldn't do that to save my life. But damn, you know that was that would have been the that would have been awesome. Would have been just to go with like Chase. Yeah, you know what I mean. Then there's no other organization with it. That's all it is. Whoa. So you were how old when that happened? When you changed the oh, name? Oh man, I was. Uh, that would have been. I would have been about twenty, twenty-one. And how are you now? I'm 27 now. Whoa. That's not a long long. time. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. I mean, it doesn't seem like it, but it definitely feels like it more than what it seems. You know, like I feel like in those six years, you know, we were, I was making my own record. Mm. I was. Independently? Well, when Mm. I really, like when I moved here. So here's this, this crazy, this crazy way this all happened yeah my grandfather played with roy orbison in the teen kings and wink westerners that was his first gig oh, ever what? it was before roy signed to to uh to sun records in fact roy came to my grandmother's house uh, her name was ruby Fay, and she said he said uh hey jimmy would you like to go play in with me i just i'm going up to meet with sam phillips i want to make a record and he said <laughs> let me ask my mom first because he was a kid <laughs> and so he asked his mom and his mom said that's cool but Basically, in a nutshell, it was like, but you're playing with the Teen Kings, and they're a rock and roll band. That's not allowed in my house. So if you do, don't come back. Oh. And so he wasn't going to break his mom's heart. So he quit. They went to Sun Records, and the famous story is the band wound up leaving him. What? Because they came back in and said it's going to be Roy Orbison and the Teen Kings and Wink Westerners, or so on and so forth, vice versa. So they thought it was a band and now they're really just wanting Roy with his band. Sure, sure. So he left, went to college, wound up meeting this disc jockey through some friends in in, in Lubbock. He was playing in all these Texas swing bands, like really mm. like ridiculously great mm. swing bands and stuff. Mm. And then wound up meeting this disc jockey named Waylon Jennings and mm. then went on to play with Waylon for a really good while. Are you and then serious? What? Quit doing what, that. what so, instrument? He was a keyboard player, piano player. Damn. Um, was he playing Hammond at all, or was it straight keys? You know, I don't ever know if he really... I, you know, I, I'm Rhodes. sure he did play some yeah. Hammond, but Hammond wasn't a thing then, really, for right. what they were doing. You know, Hammond... Like, I think Hammond Organ, I think Vince Gill. Like, that's what I think. Yeah, you know, same Steve here. Nathan yes. really bringing that into fruition. But, uh, and so long story short, I, I got to town, and I was... You know, I'd gotten out of this really shitty record deal in L.A. I didn't have any managers signed with these two managers who were great. I, I don't work with them anymore, but they mm. were they were great and they did a lot of great things for me. And I mm. uh, just you know it didn't work in the end. But mm. I met Barbara Orbison. She mm. called and I was walking wow. out of the building and I had a deal in my hands for a publishing deal. And so my <laughs> idea of this town was okay, well I guess I'm a songwriter now. No more artists. I'll just go out and play my songs I'm writing. Maybe people will hear them and cut them. What a weird thing. I feel like that's less and less I feel like it's less and less black and white yeah. now. Well, it definitely – I was actually talking to somebody on the phone this morning about the whole writer development artist thing, like where you're writing and then they find a couple songs, they try a couple producers, they find out how they want it. That shit didn't exist for me. Like you had to like – you had to know how to play, how to sing, how to write, how to perform, how to well, this, how to that, how to dress – it wasn't like this. Yeah. That was never, it was like mysterious. It was never a, yeah. a, like you didn't have this propaganda of, well, we're going to let you write songs for a few years. Yeah. And then we're, it's like you either have the shit or you don't, you know? Well, and, yes, and that was what was weird. Like when I got my record deal, I came in with, you know, hundreds of songs, but I came in with, 
take it on back, which yeah. which would have been which would have been one of the the biggest hits that I'd had. But what was crazy was there were all these other songs, and it would you know as time would progress, you would almost forget about certain songs. Oh, I, mean, I know that the new baby walks in. It's like everybody starts hugging that one. Mm-hmm. Take it on back was a sound check song at Oceanway A. They didn't. Benny Brown finally said, "Ah, eh, let's not cut it." What? And it gets weirder. He's like, "Yeah, let's not cut that one. Let's just do all this other stuff. If we co- maybe we'll come back to it, but let's cut this EP and then the EP we're going to get a single off of." So I was like, "All right." So we go in and I started playing the uh uh you know, just kind of the the bass layer rhythm kind mm. of stuff and it was myself and Tom Bukovac, Ilya playing banjo and acoustic. What? Ilya's just monster, you know. Damn. How at, old were you then? I th- at that time I would have been I would have been 20. And, and you then, were super confident. Yeah, yeah. I was like, d- thought I knew everything and knew nothing. Yes. You know, in a really bad way. Yes. And uh, so we cut the song as a sound check song. It was the first song we cut that day. Um, and then I went out on radio tour with a song called Summertime Saturday High. That was the single. It was pressed, ready to rock and roll. I wow. was in Chicago and called the head of the record label and said, I think we're making a bad move. I'm, I'm a brand new artist, never had a single out. I'm calling the head of the record label going, I think we're making a bad move here. Wow. He's like, all right, call it, but don't mess up. I was like, it's taken on back. We got to go with that one. So what made you say that? I just, you just had that feeling. It just felt right to me. Yeah. It felt like, like you felt like an honest you, or was it something that you think people wanted? I, well, I went back <clears throat> to really like the day that that song happened mm. and like, Oh wow. Why it happened. Oh wow. And I think that's why I went with it. It's a great fucking song, dude. Thank you. It's a great yeah, song. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's still one that I don't get tired of necessarily. Yeah. You know? I love that song. But uh we put it out as a single. We were like yeah. on the verge artist for 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 iHeart and it went from I watched it go from like fifty four one week, oh. not even on the charts, to like into the thirties yeah. within a week. That's it was insane. like it changed my life, you wow. know. And uh you know I, it's just it's crazy to see what a song can do in a matter of moments, mm-hmm. you know. But there's also an amount of luck that goes into that. Yeah, what do you think about luck? Oh, I think it's I think it's huge. You know, I, I'm a big believer in like you know I think you can manifest certain things. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch the show The Secret? Yeah, yeah. I don't believe all that. Shit. It's a little woohoo for me. Yeah, I don't believe all that. Shit. <laughs> you know, I was engaged to a girl one time who, bless her heart, she was so into it. She in the Stones too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was way into it. And I remember we started watching it, and 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 it was the manifesting the parking spot thing. You remember Dude, that part? I hate that. I hate that whole shit. It's so stupid. Yeah, it's horse shit. It's so bad. It's so wrong. It's I not just, what people need. I just feel like as an artist, as a writer, mm-hmm. it's, it's you just get lucky. You know, I think, but but I think you can get lucky a number of times. But I think with luck, you have to have good karma. Oh, what does that mean? Well, you know, like I I was a pretty shitty person to a lot of people for a long time because oh. because you know, not because I thought I was the best, but because I was just battling a lot of things internally that mm-hmm. I didn't understand. You know, it was twenty years of things that I, I just couldn't let go of. You know, mm-hmm. and so I didn't really want to. I didn't want to do all the things that, you know how somebody tells you, it's like, you know, like, I'm sure you've probably heard from like a million different people, like, Daniel, one day this is going to happen. And Mm. when it does, make sure your head doesn't blow up. We're going to be right here to keep you. But then what you wind up doing is to the people who say that, you act like you're so humble and you're so, 
And then to everybody else, it's like you just kind of middle finger in the air, like mm. my shit doesn't stink and I'm going to mm. do what I want to do and how I want to do it. And that's the way it's going to go. Wow. That shit yeah. doesn't work. You know, right. I feel like if you're good to people, I, I, I always say the line now, like, you know how you always heard like good things happen to good people. That's real. I think it's good things happen to good people when you're good to people. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yes. you have to just really be good to people for those things to happen. And so in my two years off, it was just a, a, a recollection of all these moments in my life, how to put things to bed, wow. how to kind of come back. And musically, sonically, I wasn't happy. I, I didn't really dig the doing the whole like drum loops all over everything. And so you guys had tracks live? Yeah, oh, yeah. Dude. Even when you're on I mean, tour at one Brad? point, we were running... Yeah, at one point, I think we were running 16 outs. That's insane. So if I was playing a rhythm part and went to a solo, then that rhythm part would like kick in in a track, and then I'd solo over that. And I had keys. I had background vocals. I had everything. Wow. Right now, we're not using tracks. And, and you know, I, John Osborne and I have talked about this a couple times. Like, I just remember being on the road, like, playing shows. And You and, did shows at Brothers? Yeah, we've done, we've done a ton Dude, of stuff. And I would f- love to see that, Bill. Whoa. Yeah, it's it's crazy. In fact, John and I back in the day, his his wife Lucy, who's yeah. amazing. I gotta get her like, on here. Yeah, yeah, she's she's ungodly. She she's really is, so man. Yeah. yeah, I saw them at the Ryman this year and she came and sang a song with the band. We used nuts. to do shows together at the High Watt. At the like, High Watt. Her and I would and, the, and this we had this classic photo of us and it was like we're turned back facing the city before you could see cranes and things everywhere. Whoa. And then she had like the British or whatever flag over her back, and then mm-hmm. I'd have the U.S. flag over mine. Insane. And we just swap. Like she'd headline one night, I might headline one night. Because when I moved to town, man, it was like you had the brothers and King Billy in one house. Who they were like next level of yeah. what they did. And then you had like your East Nashville cats who were kind of like Jeremy Lister mm-hmm. and uh there was another dude in a band called Bear Cub. Uh Oh yeah. You remember, remember that, what I'm talking about? Remember like Desert Sounds? Remember that band? Yeah. That's like when Sturgill was not even Sturgill. Dude, we used to go to gigs in Antioch. Do you remember there was a band called The Gills with Andy and Matt Prince? 100%. Andy was one of the first bass players in my band. They're so good. Yeah, and it was crazy because we would just go over to this house and it'd be these rock and roll parties. They had that crazy-ass basement, too. Yeah, did you go? (laughs) I went. So remember, this is funny that you brought that up. So funny that you brought up that fucking basement. I think the one thing, the one time we had hung out, first time ever, was at a place called The Stage. A venue downtown on Broadway, yeah. and Robert Knight was there, and you introduced yeah, me to him. It. Yeah, you I like was reached out, out to him. him or something, and he was starting this thing called Brotherhood of the Guitar. With yeah, Fender. that was it. It was very sketchy, but we had one rehearsal only ever, and they were the backing band, the Gills. Yeah, that's it. And it was at their basement. Holy shit! How funny is that? Yeah, Andy played with us. Andy was like the only guy. Now he's in Manchester Orchestra. It's a great band, but oh, Andy that's was, great. Andy was the only guy I ever saw break bass strings on stage. Like How we would do possible? these. I don't know. It was nuts. Like he, you know, but you know, he, he had his thing going on. And then me and a guy named Adam Box moved here to town together. I found him on Craigslist when I was living in L.A. We we moved into uh, into my into this my parents' house back home in Texas for like mm. a couple months and. Mm practiced in this buddy of mine's trailer house it was me him and a, and a slide guitar player named chris green who was like mm. Derek trucks kind of guy no bass player mm. it was it was whacked out but it was still country it was just wacky and uh mm. and then him and i moved to town together 
And there was there was a there was a lull in in what we had. Like I remember, we were so poor that we would flip cigarettes to each other and <laughs> catch them between your fingers before you could smoke one, so you wouldn't blow through a pack. <laughs> so he lived on my couch for a while. We slept on a futon together. Damn. Uh, and then he would he would like. He would work as a telemarketer during the day. He'd sell comedy tickets. He'd do whatever he could. And then my mom would like send me money, and I would buy us food. And uh, You're hustling. And then he wound up playing with me for a number of years, and then now he's with the bros. So he's been playing with the bros wow. for a while. That happened, what, was it like you just weren't working, and they, they were? We got in a big no. I mean, I I was I had I think I'd already had taken on back out before they ever even put anything out. Damn. Dude, I got jumped by everybody. I was... I was out, and then Kelsey Ballerini, and then this girl Maren Morris, and then it. But they're what? all incredible. Like you know, they're all really fascinating. Careers what do you mean jumped watch. by everybody? What does that mean? Like the like the people well, who we played were with them. Kind of moving. I mean, we. I didn't have a number one. I I had a little bit of you, which would have been the closest thing to a number one. I think we were like six weeks at number two or something. But Dude, it was on the chart for like seventy weeks or something. It was ridiculous. And I and I hated that song. I remember hating that song when I wrote it. And then everybody's like, "It's a hit. It's a hit." I'm like, "No, nah, this song sucks." You read it by yourself. I wrote that one with Ashley Gorley and Derek George. Uh, wow. Which, which uh, you know, Ashley's a monster. Yes. Derek was one of my best friends and great writer as well. But, um, but what I mean by that is, like, their careers took off and didn't stop. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I always knew, though, John Osborne is the one person I'm intimidated by. Why is that? Because... He he reminds me of Jed Hughes, like, and I mean in, in our in like my format of guitar players, like mm. like Paisley Paisley's that um, means amazing, but he doesn't frighten me because he's he does something different. Mm-hmm. Now he can do everything, mm. which a lot of people don't know, but he can do anything. Um, and I toured with him for a multitude of years, and yes. and it was a lot of fun, and and we played a, a buttload of music together. And it was how cool. many shows? Oh God, I did like. Sweden with him. I did London. I did Canada. I did the States. I did we man, we did it like two years. That's like wild. hard. Um and then Damn. you know, of course, like Keith, I've never gotten a chance to play with Keith, but Keith and I are sort of similar in a way. Mm-hmm. Or used to be, I would say, like with the way I would used to have played guitar. But John has this thing that John can do anything. And he's so much of a nerd, I think, mm. that he knows like every theme song in his head, every TV yeah. show, to every movie. To like, I saw this thing the other day where he was playing like Fox Sports, like the Lions game oh, or something. I in saw that, and he played the freaking theme song to Fox, and it's like, wow, to me and you, that's like, ha ha ha, that's funny, dude. Like, four thousand people yeah. just got captivated. Yes, and now what do you do? Yes, he can play themes. Like right. he can play a theme, and 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 he can. There's a great video of us somewhere doing this. I, we were doing this acoustic show, and he asked me to solo with him. And I had to, I was so frightened that I had to tune my guitar a half step down and make them wait until I felt like I could play in that key with him. And that was the most childish thing in the world. And like, I don't even know if he even thinks about that. But to me, I was like, why didn't I just play with him? He was playing a half step down and E flat, but I could have just played it in E. I could have just yeah. improvised around things and played. But. He just frightens me, man. Like he's just—he's honorary. He's just got this like sort of like his—he's just—he's amazing. Like I think he's one of the best, and I think he is one of the best players in town. Oh if, man, you know, if not it—it it not least 
30 other states. You know what I mean? Whoa. You know, he's just, he's just good. I mean, he's, he's, he's incredible. He's more than good. He really yeah. is. Like, he's a master. Like, yeah. he was one of the guests on here as well. And just, and just oh, wow. listening to him talk about how he thinks about the guitar, you can always tell somebody's level when it, in regards to how heavy they think about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've definitely done a lot of gigs where, like, I don't give a shit. And then after, like, I forget the songs. Yeah. And I, I forget, like, the uh, linguistics of it all. Yeah. But then something happens, like, when you, when you find a gig that you really get in tune with. I guess for you, that'd be your own solo stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, you can tell, like, how invested that person is mentally. And that will directly reflect like in their skill mm -hmm. and then like in their fulfillment of that part yeah so like john's doing just guitar he's doing background vocals yeah. insanely well but the way he talks about that gig he thinks about that gig even when he's not on the road like he says he just plays guitar solos in his mind when he's yeah. on the road yeah like when he's home he'll be yeah. doing a garden he'll be like working on his garden and he'll be, he's like He'll be thinking about like the so like the solo he played in Stay a little longer. Yeah, and it's like, damn, like that's a crazy thing if you can like simulate guitar solos in your mind. But you know what's even better about that? Like when you yeah. said that, I started thinking, da da da. Like I'm yes. already thinking the solo. Da. Yes, you know what I mean. Like, that solo is wild. That's the magical thing to me. That's that's you got perfect pitch because I think you hit that C sharp. Pro I don't know. I'm close. Definitely. I've, I've, certain octaves. There are right. certain things where I'm like. You know what I mean? But you got G down. Yeah, I'm also like nearly deaf, which is a lot no of people My left ear, my left ear. I had I had Lyme disease years ago. Oh. My left ear is just it's just gone. That's crazy. Yeah, shot. But no, I, I you know I think solos. I know certain people like to take you know hundreds of hours on them, and I never you know that's not what a guitar solo is. I just yeah, it's like unless it's would mayor. you take fifty takes live? Would you turn around and be like, hey, live's let me way have different. One, you know, do you like, ever think about the psychology of the listener in regards to live as opposed to studio work? Yeah, I think I'm a better I think I'm a better studio player than I am a live player. Really? And by a long shot, yeah. Damn, I, I, I'm really uncomfortable. Like, if you and I were to sit down right now and play guitar, I would yep. feel like I couldn't do it. I just I, I it's like what is it? I've ego? never been a guitar. I've never been like a guitar store player. Like I can't, I can't go to. Like I'm the <laughs> shittiest dude. Like I'll never forget this. Yeah. One time I was in a guitar store, <laughs> in in. Uh, I hate guitar stores, dude. I think it was like Buffalo, New York. So anyways, one of the north northeast, you know, blue collar kind of places, you know. And uh, I don't know if I'd call Buffalo blue collar, but anyway, so we're up, <laughs> we're up there, you know. And uh, this kid walks in, and, and and he was with his dad, and he's like, oh, man, you're like, you, you, you're playing right down the road tonight. I'm like, yeah, and I was like in a guitar center. Like, just, I would go and look at, like, used gear, yeah. and I'm geared nerd and buy stuff all the time. Anyway, so so uh, I was like, yeah, man, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> next time he walked up, he's like, hey, man, can you show me, like, the lick to, whatever, take it on back or something. Nice. And I was like, yeah, I think so. Okay. And I didn't even mean it as a dick. I just, like, I was thinking about it, and I was like, shit, how is it? But the minute I walk on stage, it's like, it's there. there it is. How are you that way with singing? Singing, singing was always, uh, I, I think I hear things. I hear melodies all the time. Uh -huh. And that's how I think is a... I, I I try to play more like a singer or like a mm -hmm. horn kind of you know. So singing is always like I'll be singing a line and thinking about the next one. 
Come on. You know, how I might move something <laughs> around or might might flourish something just a little bit differently. Well, uh, so singing, yeah, I was never like I could first? just do that, huh? Did you start singing first? I sang last. Yeah. So when did you start singing? Uh, I mean, I sang as a little kid, mm-hmm. but then I really didn't start singing until I was like. 15, 14, 15, and signed a record deal within like six months of doing so. Damn, were you just naturally good at it? Well, I wouldn't say I was good at it, really, but I mean, I had a thing. I mean, I was definitely like a... uh, I've been called the songbird of my generation. No, I was (laughs) like... I was like always into Brian Adams and like that really loud, like in-your-face rock vocal. Mm -hmm. So those were the things I gravitated to singing Mm -hmm. or like old-school standards and like the blues stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was always in my head singing, and here's an even crazier one. I don't know if this is a mental game, but like when I sing, Mm -hmm. there was a stint where I got really sick. Mm -hmm. I was like busted a bunch of blood vessels like right around my vocal cords had a polyp what yeah well like i was like you know smoking way too many cigarettes i was partying way too hard i was you know i not like drugs or anything but just like drinking a ton just smoking uh a ton 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 and then smoking weed ever uh you know i i dabble you yeah. know but but uh i've never like it's not your thing i'm such an anxious guy yeah man. Like, i get that I, i'm very like i'm always thinking about yes, what's sir. next and i'm trying to and i'm trying to get better at that like i'm mm-hmm. trying to be the guy who's very in the moment and i am mm-hmm. like right now mm-hmm. but you're always we're in doing back something. your mind you're thinking about like what yeah. might his next question are you the kind you of guy I mean? like dude so it was just thanksgiving right yeah. and i took the night off mm-hmm. And I went to go take the night off, and I felt so guilty. So I sat yeah. down to like watch a movie. I'm like, "Fuck, I could be doing this. Yeah, I could be working on this track." I do, but I always, I always find inspiration in it. Like I was watching Bloodline. Did you ever watch that show? Oh, I loved Bloodline. Three seasons. I knocked it out in like two weeks. Damn. But I have like this weird when it comes to writing. I'm always writing. I'm always. Sure. I've never not written. Like I'm always getting ideas or I'm always thinking of that next character or that next substance that I'm going to write about. And so when I'm... But I do... Hmm. Like I feel guilty when I've left my guitars alone for too long and I'm like, you know, and I I haven't come up with anything creative. And then I feel really bad like when I pick up a guitar and I do what I did yesterday. Oh, that's cool. I like that. You know, like, yeah, that's really I, crazy. I never try to do any more. I mean, I would at a certain point, like, but now I'm never picking up the guitar and trying to do the same thing twice. You know, mm. I always thought I was like the blues rock guy. I'm not. Like, my thing is very much like my inspiration spurs from guys like Jay Joyce mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, you know, Tom Bukovac is probably you know one of my greatest friends but also he was one of my biggest inspirations as a guitar player all this keith Urban for records. years you know yeah. and um man jay joyce those hair church tones yeah. are and i've had the opportunity crazy. to write with jay and, and work with, it's it's amazing i mean jay's you know he'll 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 chew your ass Whoa. in a split instance and Whoa. tell you why why it sucks and what you're gonna you know um but but guys like that land wall was not land oh, wall was probably on. like one of the biggest you know yeah so for me, like we just made a new record. I've I've well for two years now. I've been working on a record. I actually cut one full length and then decked it. I was like, I'm, this sucks. And then I did another one, and it was just like, 
okay, well, we're a three-piece band. It's me, bass, and drums. How can I fill up the spectrum? What, dude, are you... You're telling me you're going on stage yeah. wearing all this double RL, playing all these ethereal <laughs> tones, and you're a fucking trio? Yeah. That's insane. Trio. And, and what's funny yeah. about it is, is it's like we didn't have a keyboard player, so it was like, how do you cover up that space? And my bass player... He's amazing. We my band played on the record, which is cool. I, I did kind of steal that from Jay, you know, yeah. getting that angst. And so here's a nutshell. Yeah, I'd cut a record in March with a bunch of stellar players, yeah. but didn't feel right. Yeah, and I used my bass player on that because I yeah. use them on everything, and it just didn't feel good to me. And I thought we were trying too hard. And I, and so oh wow, I went in. I was talking to my drummer. His name's Brian Pruitt. Amazing session. Great drummer. Just a killer guy. Uh, anyway, so we're sitting around talking one day, and then here we go back to Buffalo, New York, but we were in Buffalo, New York. <laughs> we listened to like 80 songs. What? And he goes, well, what do you think we just cut a new record? And I was like, all right, let's do it. This was on a Friday. Mm. By the next Thursday or Friday, one of those days, it was the next week, I had packed up a U-Haul with all of our gear. With I, I had bought, I'd also bought a console, what, <laughs> and all this other gear. Got an engineer that I really love, this guy Greg Strezek, and uh, we drove to a buddy's ranch in Alabama. It's this, it's this couple thousand acres of this private ranch that's high fence, and they have pine trees everywhere, and there's this massive lake in the middle of it. But there's a seven thousand square foot log cabin made of made of. Uh, cedar from the Florida River. 7,000. 7,000 square foot. Who owns that cabin? Massive. It's a buddy of mine that, that has a lot to do with, uh, well, he they own a company that makes pressure-treated wood and, and, and pine wood and stuff for like Lowe's, like when you buy wood at Lowe's. You know? So anyways, I, I called him up and just said, can we come cut there? Originally, we were going to New Orleans to a buddy's house that's off right off the uh, Bourbon Street on in the French Quarter. We were going to cut oh, there. Dude. But it's a little too small, so we went there. We cut 14 songs, one song a day. Perfect. We had no Wi-Fi, no nothing. Nice. But think about it. Like, when's the last time you've cut one song in one day? Oh, dude. Like, with a band in a room. That. It never happens. It's heresy. And so we did. And, and we had, Are you doing multiple? Are you doing five takes only? Or are you doing a thing where you're setting a restraint? We're doing it until the take feels good. See, there are... Were there songs where you're hitting your head against the wall? You know, there were, takes there were times we were... Yeah, there were times that there were people that were asked to leave, like, get the fuck out of the room or I'm going to kick the shit out of you kind of thing. Like, That's it was, so funny, though. Now, those words weren't said, but yeah. it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was definitely, we all got to the point where we were fatigued, we yeah. were tired, and we didn't want to see each other for a while. But we had the most fun in the world doing it. We became brothers through that. And wow. I just remember there was a point, the best point that I remember was, was <laughs> I was standing outside drinking coffee one morning. All the gear set up. We're ready to cut our first song. Oh. And, and Brad, my bass player, walks up and he goes, so what are we going to do? And I was like, hey, I'm thinking this song. He's like, yeah, I, just, I don't know. I don't know if that's it. You didn't even have the songs? No. Was, were you, man, I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes there. It was like, if somebody had asked me, I would have been like, Okay, so I have this option, I have this option, I have mm-hmm. this one. Were you not but it sounds like you had already I had experienced a ton of that. options. I had a ton of options, but we never I had a ton of options, but we never carried yeah. that option list in with us. It was just like very wise. Let's just see what happens. Do you think it's, that yielded good results? 
Yeah, and and all hints from this moment was was oh, Brad wow. just Brad no Brad just said he was like man I just don't I just don't feel it I don't know if that's right and he and I and I said dude and I had a camera we we also documented the entire thing so we're, there's this whole documentary little thing coming out too awesome. with a new record but. I had my phone out the whole time, phones recording stuff, and it was never like contrived. It was just out listening yeah. to conversations. And I said, "Man, I know this is a song. It's a song called Friday Night that I wrote by myself." And I was just like, "This is my hometown. This is where I come from. This is so real. This is so me." And I don't even give a shit if it's a single. This is the song that 50 years from now you'll look back and go, "Man, that song is Chase Bryant." And this will defy the other amount of songs we're going to record that will also defy me if we cut this first. It has to be first. And so he's like, "That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Let's go cut it." <laughs> and we went inside and cut it and it was like three takes and it was done. But I was so timid as a player, like vocals I was, too. Uh, uh yeah, there's a lot of live vocals on that Come record. Come on. And uh you know what's funny is uh, it's just a. I couldn't have done that at 26. I couldn't have done it at 25. I couldn't. <clears> have, I, it it just had to happen when it happened. You know it, it it was. You know I battled anxiety for a number a number of years and just you know I was in a in a, in a really long uh, engagement that that didn't work. Um, That's hard. And and wow. just went through some really dark shit for a few years and I knew that what I had to do was make a good record. Ah. I wasn't trying to make a great record. wasn't trying to make the best record. I was just trying to make what that record was at that time. Can we unpackage that more? Because I feel like I just listened to this thing on uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was talking about. When you try to create to gain attention, you innately become less creative. And he talks about now how it's kind of impossible to create without wanting attention because of social media. Yeah. And because of like, now we have analytics on everything. Like, yeah, absolutely. We know what makes something successful. Geographical targeting on things. Everything, yeah. 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 Hell, you, you can, can see where this podcast works the best. Yeah. Nice. Which is crazy. Yes. Yeah. It's like, so what, I'm very fascinated by that whole thing too. I was in a long distance, I was in a long-term relationship for four years. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. It was great. It was wonderful. Yeah. And when it ended, I immediately knew I had to dive into my work. I had yeah. to dive into music. Isn't that weird? That's a crazy thing. Yeah. What made you say, I want to just make a great record, not a record that is successful? And say the yeah. record does get super successful, maybe you won't think that that's part of the reason why. Yeah. I don't know. I think of music like I think of, like I think women, right? Like I think, I think, uh, I think music is a love language, right? I, I think we all, I all know that. I think there's three things we all connect to food, mm-hmm. uh, music, mm-hmm. uh, and just conversation, I think it's I think it's huge. Mm-hmm. But picture it like this: mm-hmm. you walk in a bar, mm-hmm. you're single, yeah, and you see this pretty girl, and you try to find your first person you know that's close, at least in her area, where she might see you, right? And then you go to that guy that you're friends with, and you're talking to him, and you're kind of like looking behind your shoulder. You're doing that right eye thing. Yeah, yeah. you're kind of like looking to see if she's looking at you yet, and she's not. So you start talking louder, <laughs> yeah. and she, and then all of a sudden she catches your eye. And it kind of only, you know, you kind of get the girl, and then it's like, oh, this isn't really what I thought it was. Oh, so that's what happened to you. It's what success. happened to me was I was speaking louder. I was trying harder. I was, I was doing everything I could to get everybody to go, attention, attention, attention. Wow. And then when I got the attention, I was like, oh, I had to try to get people to listen to this shit. Oh, wow. Like, I didn't let people listen to it and say, this is great. 
or let people listen to it and go, that sucks. It was just like you walk in, you're like, this is fucking awesome. This song's so great. I played 98 tracks of guitars on this. Sounds like yeah. Mutt Lang, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, everybody, you get done, it's just like, mm, yeah, it's pretty cool. And you're like, why? Wow. And then this record, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't, my manager had no idea what we were doing. Nobody knew. What? Agents, nobody. Nobody had any idea. And I was also exiting a record deal to, you know, hopefully move forward into another one. So you paid for this record? Paid for this record completely out of pocket. Drained it. I mean, I just, I bought all this gear, did all this stuff. And you know what's funny? When I brought that record back to town, you know, it was like, I played it for a few people and everybody, it was this unbelievable, like, reaction to people that I've known forever that never tell me yes for anything, you know? And the, the... the gut response was just was killer. And it was because I wasn't trying to make a record that just fit, you know, we're all trying to make country records in town, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what happens, like we're all trying to somewhat do, not all of us, but a lot of us are trying to do that. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, you know, it's just like, do you, do you really need to do that? Or do you just need to make a record that's you? Because I Isn't think country, country music, music beyond all genres, yes. they're so smart. Like, we all think, like, you sit in a room yeah. and you go, we wrote a hit, and then it comes out, and it does shit. It does nothing. Mm. Have we ever thought for once that, like, the fans of our music and the people that listen to our music are actually the smart ones? Mm-hmm. Like, they are. Mm-hmm. I really do. And I think that in country music, mm-hmm. they, they, they don't miss. Like, fans, wow. fans know. They don't miss. You know? That's great. I've never heard that. It's so true. Yeah, I don't think they do. I mean, because, you know, I think we're all trying every day. Yeah. And there's so many people. And it's the one thing that drives me nuts about this town. And I think in any music town. But, like, you've heard the term so many times about, like, so many acts that people can't stand, you know, that I've just, like, I don't even, I've never, I don't, I don't. Like become, musically, you mean? Yeah, I don't oh, become yeah. that guy to go, I can't stand that. Like, no, yeah. But there are people that will say, well, that shit's easy. Well, if it was easy, you do it. Then why are, why are you still living in an apartment <laughs> in God knows where? Well, because I want, no, you don't. You don't want to live there. <laughs> you just, you're miserable at the fact that you're not doing what they're, and if it's so easy, just go do it. Ego. And yeah, it's an ego trip, man. And I think it's okay to have ego. You I do think it's okay you, to have a little bit. You have it whether you want it or not. Yeah, everybody has. Yeah. It. I don't care if you're a bank teller or you work at a, you know, <laughs> of course. I think that's part of happiness too. Like recognizing it. Yeah. You know how it. like you walk out of the house some days and you put on your favorite jacket or you put on all this stuff or you try something for the first time and then you walk out of the house and you're like, "Man, I feel good." Yeah. And then you realize halfway through the day like, "Holy shit, I've never worn pants this baggy or I've never worn pants this tight or I've never whatever." Well, and you feel comfortable. I think it's the same thing with music. It's like sometimes you just got to try on yourself for a while. Wow! Like put your put your suit on, yes. you know, like put put you in yourself. Wow! Instead of trying to sit around at night and cop John Mayer licks and do whatever yes. else, because I mean, my God, he is amazing. But yes, like just pick up a guitar and do something that inspires you. Oh man, to be you. That's how I've always operated. I feel like that's like a guitar is the one thing. It's such a clear canvas to be yourself. Yeah, or to be someone else. Like it's the true litmus. Yeah, but I remember, man, when I remember like. I remember watching you play when you were like, I mean, we're only three years apart, but I yeah. mean, at the time. Isn't that crazy? Like, I feel like I'm a 13-year-old kid talking to you. No, but I mean. I, I have I really, no facial hair whatsoever. I really feel <laughs> like, I remember watching you as a kid, like, yeah. 
at Roberts going totally. like, holy shit. Yeah. What did I miss when I was his age? Dude, I you had know? a thing, man. You did. I, I, you I, still do. Still I mean, do. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, though, how goals change. It's like it's very crazy. Like as you get older, as you age, as you gain life experience, you see other things are possible, and you see where it was like, okay, that goal I achieved that, but it adds up to this next goal. Yeah, and so that's currently where I'm at with it. Yeah, you know, I just think you finally like you're there too. I think you finally just uh, you learn to you learn to let go of the negativity, yes. and by letting it go, meaning like don't surround yourself around it. And just big. be happy, man. Like, yes. take more time to focus on yourself because, and that is very selfish, but you know you the best be. part about being selfish to start your day is mm. you make everybody's day better. Like, when you can walk into a room and make your girlfriend smile, mm. you can call your mom and dad and tell them you love them mm. and because you're really happy in your... You know what I mean? Like, of course. It's not like you wake up mad and you walk out of the house and you see somebody that's, like, saying hey to you and then you just kind of leave them in the dust. So, like... Man, well, what did I do to him? Okay. I just think that waking up and spending more time to, to, to you know, whether it's meditation, whether it's praying, whether, whatever it is, and I, I think praying is a form of meditation. I think anything is a form of meditation if you find a way to do it. <laughs> I just think if you can just wake up and say, like, I, I, today I'm going to be better than I was yesterday. Course. And I don't know if that's about guitar. I don't know if it's about just driving my car better, you know. Wow. I don't know. It's just you just got to be better at things, and I think it's taking those moments to, to like really realize that and realize that the people around you maybe aren't so bad. You know? Well, like maybe the people I'm, maybe the people I'm running from, maybe I should be running with them instead of running from them. You know what I mean? Like, and and I feel like that that means a lot with guitar and with 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 being a singer, being a songwriter. You know, like. It's so funny because as a songwriter, think about it like this: like you move to town, you write with the guys that you can get in the room with, which that is tend to be your friends. You start to have some yeah. success, you start writing with these really big writers, uh-uh. and then what happens is, you know, you kind of lose sight of those people that were below you, mm. like the people that were with you and or couldn't get in a room with maybe the medium level guy. <clears throat> and then you get up here and then all of a sudden you take a duck and then those guys that were sitting there with you are the big guys. <gasps> and they went, remember that time that you forgot about me? You know what I mean? Whoa, damn, I do. So just, just give everybody the exact same amount of time a day that you would Course. give the coolest guy in the world. You know, like, right? Your heroes aren't always what they're cracked up to be. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, dude, humanizing your heroes, that's my, one of my favorite things in life. I always love when they're better people than I thought. Like, that's the exact John Osborne thing. That's yeah. exactly what that ca- case was. Yeah. It's like um, we live in a town where there's a lot of status, and status is easily flaunted, and music comes from a place that isn't really status-based. Yeah. Like, if you think, like, think of, like, I'm on fire, Yeah. that song. It's like that song wasn't about, like, Bruce didn't write that song so he could walk into Red Door and be like, fuck, Bruce, that song was great. He just yeah. wrote that song because yeah. it was intrinsic. Yeah. And it's like, it's a weird thing to, to work in a business that is so status-based. Yeah. But for the product to not really come from that same place. So it only makes sense that you don't treat people based on their status. Yeah. Yeah. I think you all, I think everybody goes to a phase that they're not happy with, you know. And mine was just, mine was just being a kid too long, you know, like, it's time to grow up, like man up, boy. It's like Whoa. time to go to work. You know what I mean? I, and I think it was just because uh, I didn't have a, 
I didn't have the same childhood. You know, I grew up, I left home, I moved to LA on my own. I went from a town of 800 people to 8 billion people or whatever. It's insane. You know, and then I got out there and it was like 800 people. You know, I, I was living on my own. I, I didn't know any better. And then I moved here again on my own. And then I was at 18. Damn. And so I didn't go to prom. I didn't, I've never even seen my high school diploma. I know I graduated, didn't get a GED, got a diploma, but don't know where it is. I, I never. I never had that childhood. We were no. working. We were doing things to further ourselves. Like my mom and dad always instilled work in us because that's a big thing. And I know a lot it's of people biggest. say like, you know, money isn't happiness. You know, money's just money. And this is, and it's like, well, maybe, but like, to what extent? I don't agree like, with that what at is all. Your, yeah, yeah. Like, what is your living? What What do you want to live like? Yeah. Like, how do you want to live? Do you want to spend two hundred thousand dollars and have a million left? Do you want to spend twenty dollars and have a hundred left? Mm-hmm. It's like live to your like, live to the extent of your happiness. Like, live to where it is that's comfortable. Like, mm-hmm. spend your life doing the things that make you like. Shit, that was fun. You know what I mean? Mm. And I'm a pretty simple guy. Like I'm pretty reclusive. I, I don't really, I don't really like crowds. I don't like How's being that around a lot of people. I, you know, I don't know. I've always been a shy kid, huh. but I talked a lot. But I was also shy, like in a really, yeah. Like I've never been the guy to know how to talk to girls. I've never been the guy to like. Have all girls come through music? Is that how it's worked? Yeah, pretty much. Isn't that, fu- isn't <laughs> yeah. that so funny? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was like, uh, you know, for me, it was like, that. that's kind of the way it worked. And and, and, and but look, by the way, I, I've probably ruined more of them than, than, than they messed up or something, you know? And, right. But I'm also bad at confrontation with women when I know I'm wrong, oh, you know? That's a big thing. It's that's bad. Growing up. Yeah, yes, it's sir. bad. I mean, I, you know, like, but I, I think... Doesn't that, because that comes from a place of, it's hard to respect people in yeah. that light. Like, yeah. it's hard to admit that you're wrong. Yeah. That Which I'm okay admitting I'm wrong, but it's that, like, because when I was growing up, I was like a fighter. Like, I was always fighting. I had no so problem I. telling somebody anything. I, yeah. t- I'll tell you whatever I think about you when I want to say it. Like, I'm that kind of guy. But with girls, women... <laughs> They're so delicate that I, I'm so scared to break a girl's heart. Like well, it's the most, I'll make them run from me before I can, you know what I mean? But then I wind up running myself, and it's just like I feel like shit about it for years. Like I can think back to like high school girlfriends and like the days that I mistreated them, mm-hmm. not, not in a bad or like harmful way, just, you know, maybe I should have like called or texted or done something. Yeah. And I hate texting, and, you know, I don't know, man. You I hate texting? I'm not a good millennial. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm not. Like I, I hate texting, like... Do you like social media? Yeah, like it's cool. I think however you use it, like of course. I mean, what do you use social media for? Like when you're not doing your own thing, like when you're just on to browse. That's different. Yeah, that's way different. I try to avoid that. Yeah, that's because, so ego. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like if I'm not if I'm not on there posting something over myself about myself. Yeah, which is just weird. Isn't that? Oddly, weirdly selfish. Yeah. Narcissism is good for us, though, I feel. It, to, to an extent, yeah, yeah I, I feel like that. But I, but I feel like, for me, it's like, I'm on there, like, looking at clothes and tiny okay. homes. and you Dude, know. I want to get a tiny home so bad. Yeah. I want to get, like, a, uh, I basically want to do what we have here, which is I, I have a spot I can crash upstairs, and then I can have this. And it's like, if I can get those in two separate homes, like a studio home, living yeah. home. Yeah. Are I you? Know, I went through that period when i when i got out of my last engagement i thought did you guys have a house yeah which you know my place over here so okay yeah so so uh are you in the same neighborhood 
Yeah. You're I in live this? in Lenox Village. You know how I knew you lived here? I was driving my old Thunderbird one day, and you were out running back towards Sunnywood Drive. Like, back, you know how, like, you keep going? I was goes, running my yeah. dick off, dude. Yeah. I run so hard on Saturdays. Yeah, yeah. That's so, that was your Thunderbird? Yeah, I know that one. exact car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think I've, like, passed <laughs> you in so here a couple funny. times. Just huh. went, like, I wonder if he lives here. He's doing sessions somewhere. What is he doing? <laughs> how much do you hate HOA? <laughs> What's that? Yeah, you know oh, the homeowners association. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> HOA. What? So literally, HOA president lives right here. Oh no, joke. Yes, dude. Is it and a girl or a guy? It's a girl. It's an okay, old girl. it is now. And her dog. I hate dogs with no leashes. I can't yeah. stand that. Yeah. I know. I know. It might be a weird, controversial thing. Yeah. But it's like you can't be having dogs with no leashes. And I came out here one day because the only reason is I have an eight-year-old sister terrified of dogs absolutely fucking terrified and um she has autism she's classic autism and it's a thing with any kid yeah. they're scared of dogs that go and jump on him but for her it's a different thing yeah and uh halloween last year we takes her we take her trick-or-treating and these we hear this dog just going crazy ozzy osbourne level barking and uh she goes and gets the candy they open the door they go oh, the dog's not gonna bite the dog's not gonna bite Dog, sure enough, jumps over the owners, goes and jumps on her, knocks her to the ground. She's been terrified of dogs ever since. We move in here, and uh, I see this dog come on the lawn, and I go, is this your dog? And she goes, yeah, it's Jeffrey. I go, okay, why doesn't Jeffrey have a leash on? And she's like, oh, Jeffrey, he doesn't need a leash. He's, he's far too mature to have but a leash. But she tells us all to put our dogs on leashes. Of course she does. You notice that? I don't have a dog. Yeah. My dog died. But oh, that's, God. I'll get one right. one day. No, it's all good. Yeah, but it was like, I'm like, what do you mean Jeffrey's too mature? And she's like, well, dogs are people too. I'm like, I don't think dogs are people, man. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, I think that they have a, this, some, some sort of mentality that people have. Compassion. But they're, they're still dogs. They're dogs. If dogs are people... That's like saying like people are just like dogs. Well, n- no, we're not. Like <laughs> totally not. You know, I don't like go outside of the bathroom in the yard. I I tend to go in my house when I can. You know, like I just I've never once licked any part of my body on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have you ever like just like have you ever seen a dog use a commode? Like, I <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, but 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 that's you know that's that's the only thing. To me, like living in neighborhoods like this, like the HOA thing can get a little crazy. Why not just move to Leapers Fork? <laughs> well, I thought about moving for a while, you know, and and uh, I'm I'm in the process of building a studio uh, that that you know you have to go through HOA to do. It's everything. crazy. I kind of just don't care because I'm kind of like you know like what are you gonna do? Are you really gonna take yeah. my house away? You know, you're what just I mean? gonna like, get points on the record. Yeah, you know what I mean, though? Like, you know, yeah, yeah. Here, I'll give you a point on my record if you let me build whatever I want. You know, I don't know. It's great. I built a greenhouse back there a while ago, you know, because I'm like green thumb, way into gardening and stuff and culinary and the it's whole great. deal. And Are you eat, do you eat meat? I do, yeah. Me too. But yeah. I try to eat as I try healthy. I try to eat as clean as yeah. I can. I've I've stumbled a little bit. Like when determined making this record, it was like takeout and that's weird time. You know? Yeah, I totally. Mean? I was just in Europe and it was I ate terrible for like did two you, weeks. What is your diet like? <laughs> I just so I was vegan for years. I had a girlfriend who was extremely vegan, like politically vegan. Yeah. My dad happened to go vegan at the same time because he has a heart disease. He went vegan for health reasons, which seemed to me seemed far more rational. And it was like, okay, I'll, I'll give, this a, give this a try. And in the past year, I put that down, and I started just eating super healthy meats. Buy them in Nashville. 
raised in Nashville kind yeah, of a thing. Yeah. I feel great. Yeah. I can't live on being vegan, man. I was tired. Yeah. I'd be like playing a show and I get tired playing a show. Yeah, I'm doing a juicing cleanse right now just for like a couple days. That's a vibe, yeah. You know He's what a mean? Vitamix? Like, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm doing mine. Like I'll just go to like juice bar. Yeah. Just, it's easier. Yeah. I don't have to make a mess. I'll yeah, just go in there and buy the messy. stuff, you know. So, I, you know, I, I try to be as healthy as I can. I've had some health issues like through the years and, and you know, like right now, it just actually spurred the other night. My, my manager works with a guy named Morgan Evans, who Morgan's, you know. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morgan and I have the same agent. Really? Duck. Okay, yeah. So so Morgan's Morgan's awesome. I love Morgan. He also looks great for his age. Like, oh, is I he think older? he's like in his 30s, like mid-30s or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. And my manager he's was like, Australian, yeah. Like, though. It's not fair. Australian well, I know, but like they get to surf all the time. So, but 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 we were sitting at this like tape, this round table, and there were these two people there, and and he was like, "Yeah, Morgan, you know, he's like super, you know, he's super healthy. He's like, you're, you know, you're, you're," <laughs> and it was like, what, like, dude, like, I've been in like like Times Magazine or something with Tim McGraw working out. Like, what are you talking about? Are you serious? This is years ago. It was like in the Hudson or are I don't you... know. It was in some magazine or news. Did you actually work out with Tim McGraw? Well, yeah, we toured together for for a while, dude. That guy, his absolute incredible pot. He he looks insane. Yeah, yeah. What's his deal? Does he bring a gym? Is it like Dwayne Johnson style? Has yeah, a gym? He brings his own gym. He works Does out. Does he have a personal trainer, PT? No, he is his own personal trainer. So he knows it all. Yeah, he had a person. He had a gym. And How many pull-ups can Tim McGraw oh, do? I, don't I bet know. fuck tons. I know that he, you know, like his was like the CrossFit stuff, which didn't really Dude, work I for me. I cannot get behind that CrossFit. No. no way. I mean, my thing's quick. I'm just like yeah. 45 minutes, I'm good. Are you, you know? YMCA? I go to the one right up front. Yeah, the little twenty-four hour. You go to that one? Yeah, yeah. I, I tried that one. Yeah, that one's great. That's so funny, man. <laughs> the only thing there's a couple meatheads in there. What's it? Past there a are, dude. Point, <laughs> I'm like, man, I, I just can't hang with you guys. Like, I don't despise you. I just don't know what to do around you. Like, you know, the kids with the mullets yes. that walk in and they're like yes. jacked out of their minds. They're yes. like fourteen, and they guess. Yeah, it's like their parents <laughs> have been feeding them like farm raised eggs, like a hundred a day for football practice. Or whatever they get like GMO injections in between squat sets yeah yeah (laughs) but no i mean tim was great you know he was in like immaculate shape and and for me like you know it really came down to like you know quitting smoking and 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 and, terrible yeah yeah it's just not good bad yeah which i always (laughs) felt like i sang better on him like i don't know if i'll ever be able to stop before shows like i just just can't it's just like it's an anxious thing you know so you got the so you do vape yeah, that, not not like really. Dude, ain't no shame in vape. Yeah, like I don't, I don't, I can't do like those big, gigantic. You know, those are so dumb. You don't need like those. Toyota, like a Prius sized, <laughs> like the vape. Elon Musk yeah, design. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't necessarily do that. Like I'll do like the jewel thing every now and then, but that was really that was terrible. Like I don't know what's wrong with those things, but they made me feel bad. And I tried this thing, but I'm kind of like over it now. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a certain uh. Um, magnetic um, quality within the thing that that heats up the the nicotine substance. Yeah, yeah, Specifically yeah. within Jules, and it's proprietary to the brand, um, which is how they got their patent. And it, the amount, it doesn't have to. It takes less time. It basically has a zero to sixty way faster than than wow. any of the other ones. Huh. So it heats quicker, and it's the that specific chemical mixed with that nicotine, mixed with that magnetic system. So the the thing that mixes with the nicotine has like a magnetic quality. 
And the battery that heats wow. those is magnetic based. So basically it goes zero to 60 faster than any other vape, but it's that zero to 60 that fucks everyone's lungs up. I, I was really into the whole concept of Juul. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And then I read about it and it's like, that's indeed why. Yeah. It was the very thing that got them their patent that caused them to be all fucked up and people are dying. Not to digress. Yeah. You know, we all, I think we all spend money on things that don't work. Whoa. You know, I mean, don't we? Damn. I mean, guitars, I mean, Dude, cars. I I haven't bought. I'm not. I'm not fucking with you. I'm. I'm literally not kidding. I haven't paid for a single. The only thing in this room I've paid for is that Pro Reverb. Yeah, was that mine at one point? Are you serious? Remember? Do you remember? Like there was a point where I played Pro Reverbs and I was selling a bunch of them. I don't think so. Maybe this, not. This is from a guy who literally thought it was a PV amplifier. Oh, yeah, well, then it wasn't mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he 100% thought, like, it says Fender on it. I think they're the best. They're the best amp. I think they're one of the best amp circuits ever What made. were you using to track the record? Okay, so this is crazy. I tracked this whole record stereo. How's that work? Uh, well, uh, you know, it's, it's a number of, of, there's a number of ways to doing it. For me, I was doing it because, I, of course, again, I needed to take up more space wow. as far as, and, I use that term in this sense. If bass is playing down here, yeah. cowboy chords aren't necessarily going to work the totally. whole time for what I'm doing. So I'm having to play in a higher frequency. I'm kind of having to dig into effects and how I was doing that. So this record was an old AC, old uh, uh, Fawn AC30. That was a it was a JMI AC30. Uh, used to belong to buddy Brett Moore, and I picked it up from him. Yeah, he used that. Isn't he uh, Brett, a uh, young guy? Right? I'm no, right Brett, Brett Moore, he's uh, Wild Feathers. I toured with Brett. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. With the Wild Feathers, yes, right? Yes. We started at the same time. Yeah, he's he's He's, he's still there. Great. Yeah, he's he's a little, he's a freak of a... He's little, a freak gearhead. Yeah, yeah, big time gearhead, knows everything about gear. But yep. I would use, uh, I use that and a blonde bandmaster to do solos with so exactly. every solo was well almost all of them were done on that otherwise i used uh i was using like a old blackface bandmaster and a blonde basement oh, uh then i would try stuff like i had some funky old silver tone like five watt amplifiers mm. i'd plug acoustics in and nice. make the them just crazy yeah i'd do stuff like that and then just an array of crazy pedals and just sounds that just, well, you know i was just trying to go for different sounds and stuff too but i mean i've been a big fuzz guy lately that's mm. kind of my kind of my my thing and fuzz and delays and verbs that's kind of my wheelhouse things well, i know about you know but i'm kind of like you remember when you used to love talking about gear do you still love it or no. did you get over it i got over it i hate it yeah it's sick I yes. can't stand it anymore. I'm way more into the mentality of people now. I'm way mm. less past the tools. Well, like with Book, like, you know, we were talking the other night about a fuzz, you know, like a big muff. And, like, that's cool to me to, to learn, yeah. like, about an era or something if I'm going to chase that. Yeah. But that conversation only lasts so long, and then it goes away, and then it's like, yeah. I'm not going to text him three days later and be like, right. hey, so remind me. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I just, I don't really care. And I think the whole thing, like, well, you're st like the the whole like using something that other people use thing, and like people saying, "Well, that's so Nashville of you," or "That's so LA of you," or "That's so yeah. East Nashville." It's like, like what, dude? We all are different players. Like yeah. we're all going to sound like us no matter what we play through. That's the absolute truth, my friend. Yeah. 
And that's what's weird for me. Like, I, you know, I can't play fast solos. I can't, you know, I never wanted to. I was always, like, trying to listen to Lindsey Buckingham and Mike Campbell as much as I could and yeah. learn about just, like, you find a palette, you know, you find a train your hands to, 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 to hear like your voice does, you know, Whoa. to think that way, you know, and then, and then your solos are better. Like mm. I look back on solos. I'm just like, wow, that sucked. You know what I mean? Like there's a couple good solos and songs I can recall, but like, otherwise I'm just like, that was terrible. What do you, you think know? of shreddy players then? Like that are also artists like Marcus King. Yeah. I don't know. Or Billy strings. Okay. This, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, because there's a weird line to be had there. Yeah. Or it's like that Sturgill record. Yeah. Metamodern. Like, there's some advanced guitar. There is. Do you think that gets in the way? Uh, y- yeah. I mean, like, the thing is. I mean, even that new Luke Combs record. Like, that, there's some short, like, Saul. Saul, yeah. He slays that record. So, so let's talk about this, right? Here's here's the thing that I've I've gotten over. Yeah. And then, I, and then I'll go get to that, directly to that point. Yeah. Like. You go to a gig, you set your gear up. Yeah. Some guitar player in some band comes up and looks at your board, and they're like <laughs> manicuring it and looking at your amps and looking at the guitars, and oh, he's got a guitar tech, and oh, what kind of strings? Well, I haven't seen those strings before, and it's like <laughs> you tell me one fifteen or sixteen or twenty five or forty five year old woman in a crowd yes. or male yeah. that goes, oh my god. Ernie Balls. That Memory Man pedal <laughs> at 435 milliseconds with like that chorusy. Nobody gives a shit about that. You know, it's like so true. If you play things at last, and like I'll do the thing where I'll play a solo and I might wait a couple songs and I might even do the same thing again on a song down the road so that it's like <laughs> stick, like people are getting a theme. A theme. You know, themes are huge. Yeah. But I'm trying That's- to make it more of a nightly theme. Like, okay, tonight is we're going to chase Bryant does this. Totally. The next night is. So to the shredding thing, here's here's my thought on that. I fucking despise that term just because. Right. I, what does that term mean to you? Shredding to me sounds like a kid that like paid yeah. attention to tabs for too long. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like go, like looks at you as you walk by a guitar center to make sure you. I hear don't him. look at you as a shredder. Like Thank I God, would have used great. to have looked at you as a shredder because yeah. I would have thought like holy shit he's really fast when I did when I liked that term when that term was like oh this dude shreds bro right. you know. Right. You know that you can jump off a cliff and land safely. Oh, dude, like a cat. You know what I mean? Like a Siamese cat. Me, on the other hand, I come at it from like, just go for it, kid. Just do it. So you, the intention you try is it? what matters. You know what I mean? Like, I, well, yeah, but I think for me, it's like, it's that, like, you want to try it? Mm. I dare you. You know what I mean? Like, that's oh, how wow. I think as a guitar player. Like, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to manhandle the guitar. So you know your limitations and you don't give a fuck. Yeah, I don't want the guitar to play me. I want to play it. You that's know what I mean? the way to go, my but friend. But I yes. think you're really good at knowing the, the instrument and going, but there are some players, and I'm sure we know them, and there are people that look, like like on Instagram, certain people listen to these <laughs> players, and, and it's like they've got 100,000 likes, and, and some of them that are even artists and so on and so forth. I just kind of look at it and go, Man, that would have been cool if it had any feel to it. That's the thing for me. That's what shredding is. And I only use shredding because I try to accommodate the people who are on a general scale. Shredding. Yeah, I think it's great if you know how to use the term. But but I'm saying on the term that most people, the way they use it. They're not not giving class to the, they're not giving status to the fact that 
a lot of the time shredding shredding just means you're just you're lifting a weight. Yeah. There's no artistic yeah. integrity behind it. Yeah. When like you can like Jerry Garcia shreds, Jerry yeah. Reed shreds, yeah. Chet Atkins. Yeah. But it's like there's so much feel and there's intention there that's r- real. Man, I'll tell you, there's a couple things that I'm sure you've probably seen them. And if you haven't, it's cool too. Yeah. But I'm just saying, for any guitar player that would ever even give me the time of day to listen to anything that I say, it would be. Well, and I'm nowhere in your wheelhouse. I'm oh, nowhere come in on, Osborne's dude. wheelhouse. I'm just the kid on the side that's like, man, this come is, you guys are great. On, dude. But the thing that I will say is like, listen and watch Jerry Reed. <clears throat> Play uh, mm. uh, Hallelujah, I Love Her So. Oh, Ray Charles on yeah. gut string. And he does this thing where he goes into the solo and he, it's, so, it's so addictive when he says it. It's just like, I want a guitar right now. He does this thing and he goes in and he goes, All right, now watch this. And he knows. Yeah, he does. I'm really good at what I do. Yeah, he had that confidence. And I will walk all over you. Yes, he did. If you try to stand in my way. And so. I look at some of these players that do their thing, and I could guarantee you, if I was so immature when I got on the Brad Paisley tour, because when he would go on stage, I would go up there and say, all right, we're playing in the key of G, or we're playing in the key of B. All right, so I'm going to chicken pick around this as best I can, the double stop thing and whatever. I can't really chicken pick, but I'll do it the best I can. It was a disaster. It was, <laughs> like, it was so bad. But what happened, the next night I went out and I took out a slide, Ah, and it was cool. Okay, you know what I mean. It's yeah, like I do. stay in your lane, but be able to to mend your lane into what else somebody else is doing. That leads me to ask you, what do you think about niche, and do you consider yourself to be niche? Because Chris Stapleton to me is so niche, but Explain. he's so well. It's like he's so him. Mm-hmm. If you go and try to do what Stapleton does in the realm, people are going to say, oh, that's Stapleton. Yeah. That, to me, is the identification. That's the litmus of, of niche. Now, we're getting to a time now where niche can be wide-scale successful. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think Brad Paisley's super niche. His yeah. guitar playing is the most specific sound ever. I, well, I, Like, I, truly. I think that... I think of... I think of guitar playing... And I'm talking about artistry, too. It's like songs yeah. and all. And are you trying to like, also like when you're making your record too, are you thinking about, man, am I getting too into my own zone here and are people not going to connect with it? Right. That's a big thing. I will say this. Yeah. I'm not self-indulgent. Okay. Like I don't do anything out of like, I don't do anything out of like indulging myself in well, what I do. So but I do do it to, for, I, you, you, people yeah. always say like, I didn't make this record for me. I made it for the fans. And you're like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yes, you did. You had to start by making a record that was pleasing to you. Because if it's real to you and and it is vindictive and people can live vicariously through what you're saying and what you're doing and the way that you're living those songs, then all of a sudden you made a record for the fans. And so for me, when I look at it, I got to go, okay, here's the time of my life right now. And I have to make the best record that I can possibly make for myself so that when other people listen to it, they hear the authenticity. It's just like a good fitting pair of jeans, man. Like you go buy a pair of jeans at H&M. I'm sorry. Terrible. 
but they don't fit the same as a four or five hundred dollar pair of jeans. However, there are bad four and five hundred dollar pair of jeans. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it's like a lot of us sometimes can go play a gig and sell out a room to somebody, and somebody come backstage and go see you walking to your bus, and they're like, "Man, that was freaking awesome!" Or see you walking to your van and be like, "Dude, we're coming to see you next time." Yeah, I'm van. That right was now. the most badass thing we've ever done. Yeah, and you just gave them this show for however much you got paid. Yeah. Which is expensive to you. You're like, whoa, we're making money. Yeah. And you get off stage and you get in the van and you're like, they're going to come see that? Like, we just played, oh. we didn't play worth a crap tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, all I okay. know is going out every night is like, you got to put people in a, in a, so I, I guess the niche thing to me, I mean, I you guess know what I mean? so. Yeah, I get it. Do yeah. you consider yourself I'm that like at all? I'm circling it right now. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Maybe it's, now. Like you're... Like, even aesthetically, like, you got your own thing going on. Yeah, yeah. And it's very focused. It's well, very intentional. I definitely don't have my own thing. I mean, I've, like, stolen everything I've done from, like, Steve McQueen or James Dean at this point. Oh, yeah. You know, that was, like, those are, like, my heroes. I, you know, it's just hard, man. Because it's cool to steal ideas, though. I think it's all right to steal ideas. Yeah. And then that introduces them to an audience, and therefore it's an original idea. Because yeah. they don't know what James Dean wore. Yeah, yeah, that's And no true. one knows, like, double RL, or, like, what makes no. a pair of selvage jeans no. better than a pair of Wrangler jeans. But I don't, but I will say this, yeah. and, I, and I do, this is why I love double RL. Yes. Okay, let's get to this really quick. This needs to be said. Very Ralph, uh, the documentary on Ralph Lauren. Oh, on HBO. Yep. It's insane. Plus... A multitude of Ralph, Oprah Winfrey's yeah. uh, podcast with, with Ralph. Oh, I got to check that. I don't think it. There's a, there's a really famous shirt he wore for a long time, and and uh, somebody asked him. It was like a British uh, interviewer that asked him. She said, "Wow, oh, so that shirt, like, where'd you get that shirt from? Must be like highly collectible kind of." Yeah. He's like, "Got it at a thrift store." <laughs> and the thing about that is insane. What makes you feel comfortable? Mm-hmm. What makes you feel like? Because, you know, do you ever think about, like, we go on stage, why do we have the drinks before we go on stage? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. because a lot of people think it's like, well, it makes me comfortable. It eases my tension. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, I think life in mm-hmm. general, mm-hmm. whether you're a musician, a ditch digger, a doctor, mm-hmm. or you're, you're a lawyer, or whatever, mm-hmm. you fly to the moon. It's mm-hmm. like, are we successful when we're not comfortable in our own skin, are we successful when we can't, you know, it shouldn't take me 45 minutes to get ready. It shouldn't take me an hour to get ready. It shouldn't, I shouldn't know when I look at something, there's a palette. Yes. Okay. That shirt that, you know what I mean? I buy things and I do things, but it's the same way as a player, as a songwriter, as a, I know what I want to say now more than ever, but I can tell you this for a long, very, very, very well. It's like I lived my life in denial of, I was scared. I always said I was never scared of anything, ah. but I was. I of was. Course. I was scared of the person that I was. I was scared of myself because I didn't know what I could do. I didn't know what I was capable of. I didn't know what I and 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 I mean that in the sense of like success, failure, uh, what I look like. Well, what I, you know what I mean. Do you fear failing? Yeah, but I but I have a bigger fear of how bad is it going to hurt if I hit the ground? Will I get back up? Oh, you know what I mean? Of course you will. I never had a plan B. I know it'll always be music. Yeah. But I don't I don't know where that goes. That's the scariest thing. I used to I used to be the guy that I remember I came to town and my first my first agent meeting I ever took with a booking agent was CAA and yeah. they I worked with those guys for a while. I'm at William Morris now, but I was working it's CAA and a, and, a, and a guy Jeff Gregg who who's the sweetest, most humbling, mm-hmm. just beautiful 
beautiful, beautiful guy. Yes, indeed. Uh, he he said something to me one time, first meeting we ever had. He he. First off, he asked us to meet with him, and we were like, no, nah. because I wasn't ready. I knew I wasn't ready. To do shows. Which is stupid Yeah, that I said that. But anyways. I think people were always ready to do shows and were not always ready to release music. Yeah, but yeah. but he asked me, he said, what is your goal? And, I, and oh, my, wow. you know, my, my, my 20-year-old response was, I want to I play venues so big that they have to build them for us. Oh. Because, and I look back at that now and I go, I'm already bypassing clubs. I'm already bypassing amphitheaters. I'm already bypassing arenas and stadiums. And I'm living my life in this scale that's way too big. Mm. I think you can dream as big as you want to dream. Look, I, I never could talk right. I had a speech impediment when I was a kid. I can't hear for shit. I've, 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 you know, I've had a lot of things that should... A lot of people said, no, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Well, but I dreamed big enough. And yeah. I dreamed, and I didn't stop that. Yeah. But you have to categorize your dreams, and then and this, and I'll tell you this, and, yeah. And I can and I can leave you with it, but there's a there's a really great book out there, and I'll I'll bring it by sometime when I'm done with it. But I'm reading it again. But uh, there's this book, and it and it talks about this guy that um, one of the one of the scenes is this this servant of a king is is uh, called to the king, and the king says. You know, I want you to go up to the top of this mountain and I want you to get a spoonful of olive oil and bring it back and don't drop an ounce. Yeah. Okay, so he brings it back down, doesn't drop an ounce. Really? And the king well, goes, he must have been wearing Crocs or something. Yeah, Jesus. yeah, yeah. The, yeah, so, he, so he, <laughs> said, he goes, the king says, did you drop any? He said, you didn't drop any. He goes, no, I didn't drop an ounce. He goes, you failed. Come on. And he said, go back and do it again. And he goes, well, you told me not to drop it. He said, I want you to go back again. But when you're coming down, look at everything on the way down to me. Come on. And he does, and he makes it back, and he drops every ounce of olive oil, and the king says, what did you see? And he told him all these beautiful things he had taken in on the way down, but he said, I don't have any olive oil. And so here's the thing. At the end of the day for me, when I look back one day and I have kids, and I'm still doing this in some way, shape, or form. Do you have any, before you say that, do you project any success on that? When on, you, when you, when, do I project any success on what? So you, to say 20 years from now. So oh, 47. Yeah. I definitely manifest it. Yeah. yeah. But do you ever consider, do you ever go to that part of your mind and say, you know what, what if my it success it is? My success for me, yeah. of course it's Grammys, of course it's awards, of course it's millions of records sold. But my kind of success is being able to sit here and talk to you the same way we're talking now. I love that. Walking into the burger place and grabbing a hamburger with people I don't know, watch, having a beer and watching a baseball game. Yes. It's, 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 you know, going out and giving a homeless guy 20 bucks and not having to post to social media about it to try to gain, you know, just because it do something out of your heart and yes, you don't sir. have to tell everybody about it. Right. You know, it's like you just do it because it, because it's it feels good to do yes. something good for people. It goes back to that. If you're good to people, you know, like good things happen to good people when you're good to people. But success to me is looking back and seeing these moments like we're having now. Yes. And I look at it. I look at it to myself like when you're climbing up a mountain mm. you miss a step it, like let's say you don't have any you don't have any rope on right mm -hmm. it's like you can get to the top mm. but somehow at some point of your career you're going to come back down and you should be thankful for every ounce of the ups and downs oh. and I never wanted to miss a step yeah. never 
And what happened in my career was it started descending. There was a descend in my career, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think it's a really good thing because I've gone on to now have all this. I had a movie that just came out on, on a hallmark of all things. And, uh, and uh, so, so, but I've got these really cool opportunities that, that, are, that are coming about and we'll talk about later. But what I look at is in the grand scheme of all those things, I always said I want to see every ounce of, of up and down, and I want to see what it looks like at every level. And I got what I asked for. Yes. It happened. Isn't that funny? But it got me when I deserved it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yes, and, and that's the way that I look at it. I just look at it like, be careful what you wish for. Because yeah. sometime it might happen. You know what I mean? Like, you want to be George Strait? Well, you're not going to be. Because George Strait is George Strait. Mm. But you want to be you? Go do it. That's the thing about dreams. You got to be creative with your dreams. You can't just ask. Yeah. For, yeah. That's the thing. I got more than just that, dude. Like I, I freaking, I, you know, my, my, my dreams are like support a family, have kids, be a great dad, you know, have a bunch of cows and like go back home and be a cowboy on a dad, ranch. I love some fucking cows. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's yes. what I want to do. I just, I just want to be a good humanitarian, you know, like I just, I just want to be a good person <laughs> and I don't want to do what I've already done. Mm. I've already done that. Mm. I want to do something else. Right. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I, I did. I had a love-hate relationship with Nashville for a long time, but I love it more than ever now. That's I, a good place. I love where I'm at. And, and man, I mean, it's, it's like crazy. It's like it's taken us this long to do, like to even sit in a room and I talk know, together. I know, but it adds up. But it, it happens for a reason. It does. Everything does, you know? Mm. Like, do you ever feel like, do you ever feel like you're in a room with somebody one day and they're like your hero and you mm. leave and you're like, holy shit, I just did that. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like a couple days later, you find yourself back at their house, and you're like, "Oh yeah." All of a sudden, it feels it's like it's normal. <sighs> yeah, that's a weird thing for me. I just got it, uh, Bonamassa. We went and got cigars the other night. Oh, did you? And I was just like, we had burgers at one point, and I, you know, him and I played the Opry together. And <gasps> oh wow! I just, it's so funny to look at a guy. You know, it's so funny to look at a guy like him and realize, like, Self. this dude is just the coolest guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like the most successful like guitar player in terms of like taking the business of being a guitar player and turning it into a business and being an artist in his own right. So what's success for you? What's yours? Like what is your like this is what I want? Man, I just want to be as self-contained as possible for as long as I can be. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah. I want to be able to play shows as long as I can and it be a natural right thing as it feels now. I want to grow the scale that I do it. I always kind of want to live in Tennessee. Yeah. That's been my dream. Move out to Sleepers Fork and get a place out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Man, I, I really do. I, I, I respect the shit out of what you do. Man, likewise. Really awesome. Thank you, man. But, um, Beautiful. Do you, what, what was the end of that story before we wrap it? What was it? He's coming down? So he comes down the, he comes down the mountain. I feel like a dickhead. I feel like I might have cut you off there. No. Right, he, he comes down the mountain and, and, and he gets back and, and he's so beat up about it because the spoon. He finally gets there and he realizes the spoon's empty. There's nothing in it. And the king told him that he, you know, like he was successful. He's like, but I don't have your olive oil. And he's like, well, what'd you see on the way down? And he tells him all these beautiful, monumental things he's wow. seen and never witnessed in his life. And the king, you know, tells him, you know, basically in a nutshell, in, in today's tense, it's mm. like, it's about the ride. Don't, don't forget that the ride you're on. Oh. Take it in, like, Yes. Breathe it in, you know, and and I'll I will tell you this. I've made full length records, but never released one. Right. I've always done EPs or singles. 
Now we've made That's a police record. And I would hate myself to death if I would have made my first record and put it out and not remembered. I still remember things. I remember the ride. I rem- I remember a lot of moments. I remember songs, and like I said, I'm not even in the in the eighth of what other artists are. You know, I'm not mm. even a sixteenth of people. In this oh, town. same here. Yeah, but there were moments where it was there was that success. But I want my first record to feel like, you know, I want to I want to be able to wake up every morning and just be like, man, three more people heard that. Hell yeah! Wow. You know what I mean? Like it's the grind. Like I want to work so hard now. Like. Yeah. Can you imagine putting your first record out and just being like, I've conquered the world? And it's like, what? That's so you did what? That's your first fucking record. <laughs> you did bullshit. Well, we're in this time now where it's like, if your first thing isn't a big success, this is what people perceive, by the way. Yeah. I'm not saying this is reality. No, no, no. Yeah. If it's not a trend-setting record, then it's not, it's not as much as it could have been. Yeah. And I feel like that there's no empathy involved in that. Yeah, you know, and and that's and that's how I think about like the social media thing and and stuff like that. You know, like I know people like I'll say this like, mm-hmm. you know, people talk about like a, you know, like a like a Kane Brown or like a Luke Combs or something crazy. Like, well, but it happened on social media. I'm like, do you know how many days they were in a van? You know how many times they went out there and couldn't shower for multitudes of days and went out there and busted their ass for what they had. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you like the music or you don't. Like that's respectable in its own. Hundred percent. That's just as hard as going out and, you know. I mean, those. And a lot of people look at what we do like it's just kind of like it's just you know it's like a fairy tale. You Isn't that I mean? so crazy, dude? It's hard. It's very hard. Yeah, like especially being on the road. It's tough, man. The like, road mentally. I feel like I would live better on the road than I would at home. Are you on a bus? Yeah, well, yeah, we're on a bus. That'd be the dream. Uh, bus isn't you asked to go a bus, definitely. Yeah, definitely gotta have isn't a bus. Amazing. Yes. I know. I saw Corey Henry play the other night, and he was in a bus, and I was like, "Damn, there's hope in the world. This is great." You know, yeah. like see a jam band that like goes Whoa. out, has a bus, does the thing. Wait, who's Corey Henry? Oh man, he was in uh, uh, Snarky Puppy. Okay. He, I mean, uh, 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 yes, one of the best keyboard players I've ever heard in my life, but. Um, you know, I, the, the the thing the thing I think about though is like, you go on the road and there's you know you're trying to. It's best to try to live your live your life healthy and maybe maybe party way less and take business more seriously. Yeah, and like give you know give yourself a shot because I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes everybody gives you the shot, but then like sometimes you're not really giving yourself the shot. Like you're like you know what I mean? Like you're 100%. just like you hope your whole life. Like I just hope I, I hope one person just. The right person hears it and gives me the opportunity. Sometimes you're only given one. Sometimes you're given none. You know that's a thing too. Yeah. That's a crazy thing. You see that all the time here. Like there's so many great players that have left yes. town and are doing like real estate jobs. Oh, dude. Because that's nobody hard. really gave them a fair shot. Mm. And there's luck again. That's life, right? But I don't. But now back to the luck thing, though. Yeah. Maybe the good karma thing doesn't really always tie into luck. There is no always with luck. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. And you ultimately, gambled? Oh, yeah. You a lucky gambler? Uh, I gambled one night, and I won $5,000. And I went and gambled the next night. I lost it all. I can't say if I am or not. Yeah. I've never done any good at it. Oh. I never have. But, you know, I just think about luck in, in multitudes of different ways. Like, is it, uh, I think it's beyond our careers. I think it's just life in general. Like, totally. 
You know, like one day, you, you know, it's like it's like meeting the right girl. Like you're just like, God, please. When am I going to get, like, when is that girl coming along? Like, when can I stop having my heart broken by, or breaking it myself? Or, you know, like, when can I, or, you know, whether it's, like, financially or 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 just, like, you know, I get so mad at myself in Barnes & Noble. That's probably the most frustrating times of my life. You buy books? I do. Yeah, I'm, like, obsessed with books. Think about buying books now. Why? I, I can't travel with books anymore. I, as you can see, I read books all the time. It's like, dude, traveling with books is a pain do in you, the ass. Do you read at home? Every day. Really? Yeah. Do you? How much time do you give yourself to read? Thirty. Yeah. Thirty minutes. I because I get so anxious. I feel like it's such a waste. So what do you read? It always changes. It always changes. Uh, right now I'm reading this book by Seth Godin called uh, "Everyone's Weird, Everyone's a Freak." That's yeah. a great book. Um, be here now. Love that book. You ever fucked yeah. with that? Mm-mm. You'd love. You're all on the be here now wave right now with yeah. all the things you're saying. You would love that book. Yeah. That's a book by Ram Dass. Ram Dass was a Harvard professor. And within the status circle of being a Harvard professor right in the 60s, in the time when people were experimenting with psychedelics, he said, I want to try that. And everyone said, get the fuck out of here. And he went and tried it, did absurd amounts of it, absurd, absurd, high dosage amounts. Yeah. And uh, found mentors and lived in India, changed his name to Ram Dass, and has a timeless book called Be Here Now. And it's everywhere. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just did Netflix on them. You got to check it. Yeah, man. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen I, I, I'm, you know, I always spent... A lot of time trying to read like biographies and stuff, and then yeah, to humanize our heroes. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like sometimes I read to like, how can I make my book better when I write a book one day? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It's so stupid. I, that's the way. I, I don't think that's things. stupid. I think it's cool to say things like that. I do. I think it's. I think it's all right to put yourself on the pedestals that you've observed. Yeah. That you've seen other people on. Well, and it's like that with music too. I mean, even listening to music, like I will not allow myself to listen to the things that I've listened to in the past five years anymore. It's like just listen to something new. Like go branch out and find like drum grooves, for instance. Yes. There are certain drum grooves that just wear me out. Yeah. Like I just can't stand it. Like don't play that anymore. That's well, a shitty drum groove. Just until Steve Jordan that. plays it. Yeah, until Steve Jordan <laughs> plays it. Do you have a schedule? Do you wake up at a certain time? You do a certain thing? Yeah, you know, I'm up. Uh, right now, my sleep schedule is a little off, but usually five, five thirty. Same here. Get up. Yeah. Are you early guy. I'm early guy. Really? Yeah. So, what time do you crash? Um, I crashed last night. I crashed pretty pretty early because I'd been. I gave myself that weekend off for Thanksgiving because the whole family was in town. It was all kinds of fucked up. It was all yeah, kinds of weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I crash around eleven. I like to do six hours. Yeah. 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 I. Uh, I want to be a night guy. My friend Tyler. You know Tyler Bryant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyler is a night guy, and is I'm really je- jealous of night guys because they he get, get up lost. early. No, no, I think he gets up at noon. <laughs> no. It's like that freaks me out. Like, I people have already lost millions of dollars on the stock exchange by noon. Do you do stocks at all? I do some, but nothing that's anything crazy. Yeah, like ETFs. How are you with saving money? You great at it? I'm great with saving money. Well, I have to be right now because all I do is tour. I'm with William Morris too. Yeah, and all I do to spend money on is touring. So you bought this place. No, it's my parents. No my par- joke. I swear I moved back in with my parents. My parents were buying this house. They were buying a house. And I was living by myself. I was paying too much money for rent. I was going to buy a house. Yeah, you lived on the east side or something. I lived right? on the east side, had a dope spot, had girls over all the time. And it was like I had my friends over all the time, had no neighbors. It was fun. I could play as loud as I wanted. Um, beautiful. Great landlord paid in cash. It was beautiful. Had to stop it, though, because I was touring and I was biting my nails every day after the show, just breaking even. And I realized I can't be doing this, man. So they're buying a house. I swallowed my pride, and I said, "Would you 
you guys consider this house? And so I, now I live here. So you got, but you got your own spot though. I got you my like own live spot outside. Yeah, yeah, that stuff. See, so so my parents like they've been staying with me. Like my mom wanted to get double retirement as a teacher because teachers don't. That's that's a big yeah. debate for me. Like teachers don't make enough money. Like hundred percent. I, I I think that they're like the lowest paid people. Public school. You know them yeah. and like people who fight for the country. Like those are two things for me. That yeah. I just think it's like what a wildly different reward system though. Like you can fight for the country and make it awful. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But then, like, you come back, you have PTSD, you have no support. That's not covered. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, so she came up, and, you know, my mom's like the hardest working person I know on earth. My and, dad is. And, yeah. uh, and, 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 and so she was just like, you know, hey, I want to come up and teach. And some family things happened. She'd had another place aligned and it didn't work out. I was like, hey, you know what? Come in, stay at my place. I've got bought my place. Come in and stay here. So my dad was like getting done. He was a crop insurance adjuster for years. And he was like, Damn. Yeah, you know what? Like, I think I'm ready for something new. I was like, you've driven big equipment your whole life. You want to drive my bus? Drives like, your bus, too. Why don't you come up and stay here? Hell, you know, mom's already here, and you're already talking about coming up. So parents, she was only going to come for like a year, and it turned in she had to stay for like five. So they're in Lennox. They're in the same. Yeah, they're staying at my place. How funny is But this? it's so dope, dude, because my mom, my mom's like super rad and super yeah. fun. My dad and I are like best friends. Same and, here. My dad and I do everything. And so the like, I'll, I'll like have a girl over. Like, I'll have like, you know, like I don't necessarily bring the girl over. Of course, yeah. As much <laughs> because it's like, you know, your, your, your parents are there. And 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 it's also to me in a respect sense, but yeah, man, they're just like all my friends, are like man, your parents home, like you come by and have some drinks, you know. It's like yeah. all right, cool, yes, you know. And so How um, funny, but it's great. And you know, I think a lot of people look at that. You know, I've I've definitely been in, in those situations where somebody's like, oh, you're a mama's boy, or oh, you don't have your own means, and it's like what you know. Actually, after so many years of being with our parents, like we owe them more respect, you know, having a great course. Family. Now, I don't know those situations of having a family that didn't do anything for you and just totally just dumped all over your whole life. That, you see that. You hear Jordan Peterson. Are you familiar with him? Yeah. You would like him a lot based yeah. on things you're saying, but it's like he talks about the extreme crucial importance of your parents supporting you and like how that manifests in your life. You see it in people who, who don't have that. Yeah. And it's always anger and it's always just negativity. It never works out, man. I think it's really smart to, to, to do give back to the your best parents. you can yeah. with that. And also like really save your money and make moves that are like totally. Have you made some moves you. aside from buying? Obviously that's a great well, thing. You know, I bought that place. I was looking at a place in Texas. I was going to buy another place down there and, and just have, Airbnb just have like a, well, just keep it. Just probably put my studio there. Cause I like leaving town and cutting. You know, I like getting out of town. I, I'm, dude, I love how you can make commercial music, but do it privately. You know what I like to do? Because I'm nowhere near the best in town. What I do is I leave and I find a town where there's probably nobody playing music, so that's I know I'm the best dream. in town. Yes. And then that's where I cut my record. That's how I like to do it. You yeah. Know? I mean, that was this is the of course this is about the only time I've ever done it. But I, I just it just felt good that that I wasn't a competition with somebody. Right. I wasn't worried about competing. Right. We're like you know I'd say if we're like any animal, dude, we're like some sort of lion or something. Like we're always competing, oh, no matter yes. what we do. Like yes. we're always competing. There's always you know? saddest to be had. I went to that double RL release. Dude, and I walked in and I looked about as half as cool as everybody else. There. I didn't go for that reason. There's gonna be some dudes with cuffs up to their balls yeah. in Japanese 12.5 ounce denim yeah. with a mustache that would be 
perfect for Harry Potter 7. Yeah, or they could like pull a hair out and slice your neck open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ninja Star throws it at you. Yeah, yeah. Slits your throat. I mean, for dying. me, it was just like, I looked half as cool, and the whole time I was sitting there thinking like, man, I'd like to have that. Oh, man, I'd like to have that. Isn't and that like, funny? Why am I competing with all these people? This you is are, ridiculous. Kid. It's so petty. We're animals, man. We totally are animals. See? Yeah. That's what we figured out today. We're animals. Okay. Animals aren't us. We're animals. Whoa. Except dogs. Maybe. <laughs> now that is a story my friends that is a an artist with self-awareness and the, enough empathy for himself to realize that his craft is an amalgamation of what's happening in his life and if you're not happy with what's going on in your life the art will not be vibrating at the place that it needs to and so for an artist to have that level of self-awareness and, and to speak about himself in that light on an open a public platform such as the podcast, it's very admirable to me. And I think it just reveals the beauty of this medium of podcasting and also the ability to create music and put it out into the world. Living in Nashville is like living in a super odd musical vacuum. Um, it is a very strange thing. And it's also very Darwinian in the sense that it does send out the herd on a quite a regular basis. But Chase Bryant is a champion. He's a winner. Um, I hope you guys go out and check out his music. What are we listening to today, Daniel? As we always do on the Lost Highway Podcast, episode 26. Whoa! Okay, we're listening to um, Ralph Mooney and James Burton, um, Corn Pickin', and Slick Sliding, one of the uh, worst worst names of country music um, albums in history, but also very funny, incredible record. Very California-sounding country music. And then we had a Hang Me, Oh, Hang Me, an old, um, old folk banjo version. Because um, why don't you want an old folk banjo version of a song about about dying? And then we have uh, my favorite Dick's Picks, uh, Grateful Dead, Volume 18 from somewhere in Iowa. I think in 1978, and it was the song Truckin'. Uh, come on, y'all keep on truckin'. Stay cosmic.